To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Hi, I'm Scott Jacobs, and this is season two of The Mouse and Me. On the show, I'll chat with my pals who come from all walks of Disney life, including Imagineers, dancers, technicians, directors, musicians, and stuntmen, and Broadway friends who have worked on stage and behind the scenes. We'll talk attractions, shows, food, characters, tips and tricks for planning your trip and navigating the parks, and more. Now, put on your Mickey ears or your princess crown and enjoy season two of The Mouse and Me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the season two premiere of The Mouse and Me. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. My name is Scott Jacobs, and I am your host. If you're returning, welcome back. My name is still Scott Jacobs. I had such a blast working on season one of the show. I got to chat with so many amazing guests, including Disney legend Billy Flanagan, Andrea Canny, Rory Donovan, Nick Dramard, Sam Stressfeld, Kate Harrow, Savvy Harrow, Tiffany Coburn, Andy Grobengeiser, and Dennis Stowe and Don Daryl Rivera, both of whom are in Aladdin on Broadway. And I have another incredible lineup of guests for this season, including a follow-up episode with Rory Donovan, the voice actor of Captain America from the Hawkeye Disney Plus show and Captain America in the live performance at D23, former Broadway and current Finding Nemo performer Jared Bradshaw, performer and director Cullen Douglas, manager and stunt driver Ron Fox from Lights, Motors, Action, Disney writer Greg Airbar, musical legend Carol Stein, and so many others. If you haven't already, please take a second to subscribe to the show rate it, and leave a review. Also, if you'd like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash themouseandme. I'd greatly appreciate it. And now, the 11 o'clock number. Today's guest is an award-winning New York City-based theater director whose work has been applauded by the New York Times and The New Yorker. On Broadway, he served as the associate director of If Then, starring Tony Award winner Idina Menzel, the Tony Award-winning production of The Trip to Bountiful, starring Cicely Tyson and Vanessa Williams, and assisted on The Best Man, starring James Earl Jones, Angela Lansbury, Candace Bergen, John Larroquette, Eric McCormick, and John Stamos, as well as the revival of Guys and Dolls. He also serves as the creative director for Adina Menzel, and is an adjunct professor on the acting faculty for the Steinhardt Program at New York University. Lastly, He's a producer of the Living for Today concert series, the main fundraiser for Galana's Fund, created and hosts E-Ticket to Broadway, a podcast where he talks with Broadway stars about all things Disney parks, and helped me surprise Tracy for her 50th birthday trip to Walt Disney World, and he worked at Disneyland Park in Anaheim. It's my pleasure to introduce you to my friend, my pal, David Alpert. Hey, hey, David, what's happening? Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. And for that, as I, as Winifred Sanderson says, thank you, Max. <laughs> what is a glorious or wonderful introduction? So thank you for that. It's good to be here. Oh, I, I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while, and I'm just glad that we're finally together. It's nice to see you again. And did you happen to notice my shirt? It's a wonderful shirt. It says, see you at the parks. And it looks like it's from my podcast, E-Ticket to Broadway, where uh, um, I'm, it's really always nice to see these, you know, we sit behind these podcast mics and hope that our words and our smiles can come across. And, and when I see someone wearing merch from the podcast, it means a lot. So thank you for supporting it. Hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, and 
to anyone listening, feel free to check out uh, e-ticket to Broadway's shop so you can buy some merchandise. That's like, that's where podcasting really leads to, doesn't it? Merchandise. Uh, it, it seems to, yes. Do you so, have merch yet? I have. I do not have merch yet. It's coming. It, it, coming soon to a podcast near you. You have to be careful because in your wardrobe, like I have to be very, like I cannot purchase everything in my shop. It's too much. (laughs) Well, I I remember I took, I I had a picture taken of me in the shirt in front of the castle and I sent it to you from the park. And it was just nice to, uh, to chat with you that way and to support you. And actually Tracy. Okay. So funny. Well, I, I think it's funny. Maybe you will too. So last year, I, th- I think it was last year, last Christmas, uh, Tracy and I had had gone to Disney for her surprise 50th the May before. And so for Christmas, I got her all these different scents from the Disney parks, like, you know, in candle form, because, you know, she commented, oh, I love this scent. Oh, I love the smell of this. And so I got her all these different scents. And then I got her one of these shirts from your merch uh, store. And so she opened her gifts and then I opened my gifts and she got me the candles, uh, uh, the scents that I loved. Mm. And she got me this shirt that I'm wearing right now. So I just think it was so funny that we know each other so well. We got each other the same gifts. That's very sweet. (laughs) So during the shutdown is when Tracy and she says, hi, by the way, uh, that's when we got completely hooked on your podcast because it combines two of our favorite things, Broadway and Disney. What inspired you to create E-Ticket to Broadway? As a theater director in New York, when the pandemic kicked off, you know, it wasn't just the fact that we lost our current projects that, you know, I had an off-Broadway show that was supposed to happen. I was teaching. Um, and so when the pandemic happened, it wasn't just that we lost our jobs. It was, we lost our entire workforce that, there wasn't an opportunity to just pick up and go somewhere else that theaters across the country and the world were shut down. So we had to really creatively think, what do we do? And my agents at the time suggested writing. They suggested doing some kind of talk back series. And as someone that didn't listen to podcasts, and I don't think that anyone would want to hear from me, there was actually a college, a former college professor who's a friend of mine, Cheryl, who said, you know, we were kind of bouncing ideas around and, and we kind of came to this idea of like, I, I really do love the Disney parks. And I thought, you know, here's a bunch of theater people that have nothing to do in a really dark time with Broadway theaters shut down and theaters across the country, as well as the Disney theme parks. I knew that that fandom was really hurting. And I figured, why don't I just combine that and have my Broadway friends start talking about their love of Disney? specifically the parks. So it started with just a few friends that I texted and I was like, maybe I'll do 10 episodes. I just released the 54th episode. We've done live shows. I've been at Comic-Con with it. Um, Trivia nights, you know, Patreon hangouts. It really kind of blew up. And I think it happened at a time that we all just wanted to smile and find some happiness. And the news was pretty tough. The election of 2020 was pretty tough. And this was a great place to just listen to people talk about their passion and their love for something that we, I think we all feel deep love for. So that's how E-Ticket to Broadway was born and continues to grow to this very day. Well, you for sure kept smiles on Tracy and my faces and right. we thank you for that. That was the intention. It was always about, will this make someone happy? 
So I'm really oh my gosh, it, it certainly does. Uh, talk to me about Galana's fund. Sure. Thanks for asking about that. Um, you know, 15 years ago, my sister passed away unexpectedly at the age of 26. And Gilana was a really wonderful human being. She was larger than life. She went to school for musical theater. She works as a sex educator. She was hoping to get her master's degree in sex education. She was really focused on making the world a better place, something that I also care deeply about. So when she passed away, the Muskegon County raised a lot of money in her name, and it kind of sat there in this foundation. And my family and I decided to give grants to organizations that kind of follow along the footsteps of what Gilana would have wanted, which is promoting acceptance and inclusion and justice, and really kind of standing up for the little guy. And so the fund has raised over $100,000 now. Um, I had done Living for Today, this benefit concert in New York that was Really a lot of fun, a lot of work. Of course, the last one was in 2019. I haven't picked that up again. But the fund continues to help over 40 organizations that are really true to the mission statement of Gilana's Fund, which is to make the world a better place through acceptance and inclusion. So it's a way to honor my sister's legacy um, and really kind of pick up where she left off. Nice. And how can people make a donation? They can go to gilanasfund.org. That's G-I-L-A-N-A-S fund.org. And it will take you to the Community Foundation for Muskegon County, which hosts the fund. And, um, you know, there's always ways. If I, What I like asking people is, do you know of an organization in your hometown, you know, that can make a difference? And it's, you know, I think in the world that I want to live in, there needs to be systemic change and, and true structural change, but oftentimes a change happens with just one person. And then that one person can change someone else. And that butterfly effect, I think, is a really a great way to make a difference in the world. Nice. Well, I, I will put that information in the show notes as well. Great. Thank you. So I know you used to work at Disneyland. Can you talk about that experience? Like what what was your role? When did you work there? How yeah. long did you work there? Well, it was brief. It was kind of one of those why not experiences. You know, I um, to know me is to know that I love Disneyland. And it was actually Gilana. We were, um, my dad's from Los Angeles. My mom ended up in LA. They both went to college there. And even though my dad got a job in Michigan, Every summer, every December, we would go to LA to visit grandparents and uncles and aunts and cousins. And of course, we'd go to Disneyland. And so we loved it. So December of 2004, we were there going around Christmas time, which, you know, as a Jewish family, that was intense. There was a lot. <laughs> but they had some kiosks saying that next summer is our 50th anniversary and we need people to work here. And I think Yolanda was like, you should do it. So I think I just like put in an email address and then... I had an interview and I, at that point in my life, yes, I moved away to go to college, but I never really left town. And of course it was Disney that kind of took me out. So I went and I interviewed and I said I would do attractions and it they were hiring a lot of people and they kind of brought me into a back room. They were doing interviews. I said, we think you're great. Um, we're going to put you in Tomorrowland Attractions. You start June 1st, 2005. And I was like, that's crazy. So I had to figure out like, it wasn't the college program. So I had to figure out where to stay. Do I get a car? What do I do? You know, I'm, it was really a big new adventure. And so, you know, I, I show up at my traditions orientation training and 
we go through the full day and it's, you know, it's thrilling. You get to go backstage, you get to see Mickey and, and then at the end of the day, they give you your shifts. And I was thinking, okay, Tomorrowland, I would love to be on Space Mountain, our Star Tours or the Submarine, which was going to be reopening as Nemo. And I was like, anything but the Autopia. I don't want to be on the Autopia. And sure enough, I was assigned to the <laughs> Autopia. And, you know, as a, as a, um, as a Disneyland fan, the Autopia, of course, is an, is an opening day attraction. It's wonderful, but it's not the coolest ride. You know, I think there's a milestone for kids that get to drive for the first time. And, you know, I went into it with an open mind. And what was really cool was I was in school for directing. I was, you know, always in charge. I was the leader. And to spend a summer at Disneyland just being an everyday cast member, which does not mean to disrespect that role, but they come in, they do their thing, they make a difference and they leave. That was new for me. And I loved it. I made a lot of friends. And what's interesting is a lot of the people didn't want to do guest control. Um, I did. I loved it. I loved being able to interact with the guests, lining up for the parades or the fireworks. And the way that it used to be at that point was each land was given a section of Main Street. And Tomorrowland was given Castle Front. That was one of our areas. So my favorite days were to come in at like two o'clock, excuse me, coming up about noon, get ready for the two o'clock parade, have a lovely lunch slash dinner at the in-between, do another parade, then get ready for the fireworks where I would be stay, you know, take the ropes and right across that compass in front of the castle and stand there in front of thousands of people and turn around and just see the castle and the fireworks that summer were beautiful. Um, but it was a really fun time where it didn't kill the magic. It made it even more magical for me. I love that in Disneyland specifically, they have to really work hard to make you feel like you've escaped because, you know, Harbor Boulevard is just on the other side of the Autopia. Right. Um, but I love it. That was my summer of 2005. Nice. And the gas fumes didn't get to you? You know, I do have tendonitis from that summer. Oh, the real thing. Um, but no, every time I, I smell the gas fumes now, it's nostalgic. It <laughs> probably screwed me up a little bit, but um, but definitely, you know, the Autopia is the only guest controlled vehicle in the park. Right. And guest control is the same thing. And I know this is a podcast, but visualize me just waving my arms to come closer and keep walking. And that gesture after two months <laughs> caused tendonitis. So it's a, it's my favorite souvenir from Disneyland. <laughs> now I've done the Autopia and I've done the Tomorrowland Speedway mm -hmm. and I like the track for the Autopia more. I think it's prettier. You go all of a sudden, you know, you see these attractions and then it seems like you're in the middle of a forest or yeah. the, these trees all around you. And you're so rem far removed from everything else. And it seems like it's just a really long attraction and it's a fantastic escape. Yeah, it's a huge, I just took my nephews on it for the first time um, this summer and watching it through their eyes, you know, I, I realized what a cool attraction it is. Mm -hmm. It's really special. Do you have any extra memorable moments or crazy stories from your time there? I mean, every day was an adventure. I got to be there on July 17th you know, 2005 and they replayed Walt's speech in the afternoon when it was. And, and it was just really cool. Um, 
nothing really pops out at me except for the last, my last shift. I think throughout the summer, everyone kind of got a whiff of, wait, this kid didn't just, this is not a summer break from, you know, UC Fullerton. Like he actually flew across the country to do this. And I think they saw the joy and, um, the way that Autopia closes up at the end of the night is a pretty detailed process where each track gets shut down one by one and it's, it's wonderful system. And, you know, as long as someone's in line at, you know, 1159, 12 AM, they get to stay in line. So we would close the ride down it would, it would get close to about 1230 or one. Cause again, the, the ride itself is, can take some time as you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's a long track. And my last evening we were closing down and the lead of the shift said, you know, David, there's, there's one vehicle and they left one vehicle running for me to do one final loop. And as I came back in, they were all standing there with leaves and they threw them, threw them up in the air and it was really beautiful and and a a great memory, but there's just something really special about owning the magic. I know we talk about how great the cast members are, but there's a sense Mm -hmm. of ownership that I was very proud to be working there that summer, especially as so many people came in for the 50th and it really kicked off a new wave of, I think, the way Disneyland does things. Before that, there weren't many celebrations that were year-long. They didn't really revamp the park that much, but this was the the kickoff of, here's a brand new parade and fireworks and golden vehicles and photo montages. And it was just a really exciting summer. So it, it will remain a, a great memory that I have. When was the first time you went to Disneyland? You know, it's funny. I have a photo on my computer of that time. I was five months old. Um, and and did you ride Space Mountain? I, ride, I rode <laughs> was I love that. <laughs> no, I, um, I don't remember too much of it, of course. But I do remember like the early days, like the Skyway. I remember going on yes. that. I remember um, kind of the feeling. I definitely remember the Emporium as a kid. But even there's a photo... I was helping my my parents clean up some photos and and found one of my first trips to Disneyland and meeting Mickey with my whole family in the photo. And it's a cherished memory that I have now. But um, yeah, five months. And I must have gone once or twice a year as a kid. Nice. What's something in Disneyland you appreciate even more now that you're an adult? Well, as I would say, now that I'm a young at heart. Um, <laughs> but... I think it's, to me, it's always looking at how they did it. And it's, that's true as a kid too. You know, I, my mom will share that when I was a kid on the dark rides, I would turn around in my seat to say like, oh, I see how they did that. I wanted to see them reset the scenery for the next vehicle that was coming in. And as I've gotten older, and of course, you know, I've, uh, having worked professionally as a, in, in a theatrical landscape, knowing those tricks more and more, I just come to appreciate it more. You know, people say like, oh, I don't like that you can see the strings or I don't like that you can see the speaker boxes. I mean, this is, of course, Jody Benson singing Disneyland from Smile. She knows it's mm-hmm. paper mache, but as I get older, it's like, that's actually what I love to see because I I can see the care in which the Imagineers and cast members have gone or the amount of care they have to make it a better experience for the guest. And I I think in its purest form, that's love. And I just mm-hmm. really appreciate that care and detail. I also would say I appreciate the benches. <laughs> As I go, <laughs> friends that go to Walt Disney World, they say, you know, in Main Street, like at the hub, there's not a lot of trees or benches. And I was like, wow, at Disneyland, if I'm tired, I'm like, just 
plot me in Main Street under a tree on a bench where I can see my grandparents sitting. And I'm like, as I get older, I'm appreciative of that for sure. Mm. I can't, I can't do the full days anymore. I'm embarrassed to say. I, I can still do the full days and it is increasingly more difficult because I just get up earlier and then we just stay later and it, I mean, it's fun, but by the end of a, of a, a week long trip, like I need a vacation it's from a the vacation. No, here's yeah. that Disney hangover. <laughs> yeah. Now, speaking of age, when you celebrated your 33rd birthday, you did so in an extraordinary way. Can you yes. talk about that experience? I went to Universal Studios. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, I was very fortunate that I was able to turn 33 to the minute at Club 33. And it was, you know, one of those things where you put it out in the world. And I just said, hey, I'm turning 33. I'm going to Disneyland. Can someone help me get in? And a friend that I had met actually through Broadway Con, Danny, was able to make that happen. And I don't get speechless much. But being able to finally walk into Club 33, it felt like such a deep honor that I felt like, Am I going to get caught? Are they going to kick me out? And it just, they were so kind. And um, I was very lucky to be able to go again. Um, but turning 33 at Club 33 was the perfect moment, I think, for me. I'm just so grateful that I could do it. And, and that's my bucket list. I want, nice. I want at some point to be a member. That's my goal. One of many goals, but that's probably the most expensive goal I have. Oh, yeah. how much is a membership? A lot. I don't know, but um, like 20, 30 something thousand. Well, I know there's, like, a, it, there's probably an annual fee plus a membership fee. And then, you know, the, the meals are not the cheapest. <laughs> it's not super cheap to eat there, but the food is delicious. Have you had a chance to go yet? Not yet. Okay. Well, emphasis on yet. It'll happen. And, and it's, you know, it's just shocking because like, you know, downstairs, I love my sourdough bread bowls from French market mm-hmm. and they're great. But then you go upstairs and you're like, oh, this is fine dining. This is, and I remember even that 33rd birthday trip, when I go to the parks and I sit down to eat, I'm eating for maybe a half hour unless I'm exhausted, but I want to get back. I want to get back on rides. I want to go do stuff. I sat there for three hours at Club 33 and I was like, huh, I definitely am enjoying this. But again, there's, um, again, it's that magic where it just kind of sits up there and my favorite is, I, I say this, I've only been there twice, but um, after lunch, having coffee on the balconies and just hearing Main Street and seeing the Mark Twain go by, it's just, it's perfect. So how is the food? I mean, it's so good. I remember the first time I went, they had really fancy appetizers and I was struggling what to choose and they were very kind to bring me, I think from the children's menu, some grilled cheese and tomato soup. And it was amazing <laughs> and wonderful and, you know. Just what I wanted. Nice. What does a perfect park day look like for you? My gosh, that's a great question. It starts with making sure that I'm with the right people. And it's making sure that I'm with people that I don't have to explain the Disney magic to that are excited to be there. You know, I've got my my usual Disney buddies. Uh, that's always fun because we like just being silly. But it starts with just being on the right foot 
once I get in the park, I take my time. I always FaceTime my mom when I turn the corner to see the castle. It's our favorite. Then I love going up and down Main Street. I must get breakfast at Carnation Cafe and have my chair facing Main Street. It's my favorite thing to do. And then it's just kind of having, getting ahead of it and getting, whether it's Lightning Lanes or Genie Plus or Fast Passes, whatever it may be, Whenever we, we you listen to this recording, it's probably changed again. But it's just having a good plan and like I I'm not one to I wanted it to be efficient. I want to make sure that if I'm in line and I'm ready to get another fast pass, I'm getting it while I'm in line and not waiting. Um, but it's definitely taking time to shop. It's definitely seeing characters and definitely getting on um, the mm-hmm. must-do rides of mine, which are you know indie and space and Big Thunder. I have to do Snow White. Um, and then everything else is just kind of icing on the cake. I think any day at Disneyland, as long as I remember to breathe and know that it's not my last day there, I will enjoy it. I do get in that habit of, I have to do everything. That's something I need to get better at doing yeah. is remembering it's not my last day there. But you have to live like it is your last day. Mm-hmm. But that's always like, it's 10 o'clock. I'm like, oh, but it's Disneyland and I don't want to leave. I will always get sad. Anytime the sun starts to set at Disneyland, I always get sad. It takes a lot for me to walk over that threshold past the gate when I'm leaving the park. I know. Like it's it's an effort to take that yeah. last step. Yeah. But yeah. now, I, I mean, like it's, I've definitely seen how I as a Disney park goer, it's evolved. I do enjoy slowing down a bit. I do enjoy, you know, eating snacks when I want. It's, you know, I, I do think it's the, 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 almost like the threshold of the good day or the benchmark is how many rides as you go on. And I'm trying to shift that thinking. It's like, I only went on a few rides, but I had a great lunch. I got this really cool new dopey thing, you know, off the page or at the art shop on main street, or, you know, I, I had really great spots for the fireworks. I think it kind of shifts in that sense. If you were in charge of the Disney parks, what, if any changes would you make? Oh my gosh. Well, let's talk specifically Disneyland because I'm not to know me again is to know that I'm a Disneyland boy, even though I did mm-hmm. go to Walt Disney World twice this summer, which I'm sure for you and for many of your listeners are like, is that supposed to be a lot? But <laughs> I'd only been to Disney World once in 2012 and then briefly in 2016. That was it. Okay. But Disneyland many, many, many times. Um, the first thing I would do is I would get rid of all fast passes and go back to the way it was intended with just a standby line. I would definitely do that. Um, I would bring back Fantasmic 1.0. Enough of this Pirates of the Caribbean. It's too long. I think Fantasmic has been negatively impacted by the changes. I'm strong about that. Um, what else would I do? I don't know. I think I think a lot of it, I, I really appreciate that Disneyland knows that it is the original. It's the OG. Don't mess with it too much. If this were a few years ago, I'd have been like, let's put Galaxy's Edge and Avengers in a third gate and let's not touch Walt's Park. But okay, I think they did a nice job there. Um, I'm sure there's other things that I want to do, but I think the big thing is to rethink the actual in-park experience where mm-hmm. I, I I wish that there was an experience where you didn't have to think about money throughout the day. And I what I like about Disneyland is that it is a great equalizer that no matter your wealth or religion or sexual expression or gender expression, you're all sitting on the same bobsled going on the Matterhorn. There's not a right. VIP bobsled. You're all doing the same thing. You're all together. You're all going to be in that stretching room together. 
And sometimes when I see those with the financial means to be able to cut the lines, after a while, I'm like, you know what? Maybe we should just go back. So also more dopey merchandise always. <laughs> strongly about that. What's your Disney parks dream job? Well, I definitely want to be an Imagineer. That's that's definitely on the on the docket. But I think I want to be the president of Disneyland one day. You know, I, I talk to my cast member friends and say, you know, is the president of Disneyland kind of a financial business person or is it more creative? And they say, you know, it tends to kind of go back and forth. But I think it'd be super fun to have a president of Disneyland that loves it. And again, like part of my job is managing people and, and leading people and getting them on the same page and making sure people are happy with their working conditions uh, as a director. So I think I could do it. And I think it'd be really fun just to have that business card. I would love to see you as the president of Disneyland. Right. I would, I think it would be my ultimate. And I would totally refer to you as Mr. President. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you know, I know David, Mr. Alpert. No, no, no. Mr. President. I would just say I work for Mickey. (laughs) That's right. If you were in charge of opening another Disney park, how would you theme it? I mean, to me, and I think they're actually doing this overseas, but... The idea, they have this briefly, and I know you mentioned you're going to Disneyland Paris soon, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, <laughs> that there's a spot where you can actually kind of walk into the Dwarf's Cottage. And I I think as much as I love that IP that is Disney, like park specific, which we're losing, like the Everest, the Matterhorn, the Haunted Mansion, the Pirates, where it's like not based on a movie. I think there's something fun about recreating the movies and letting us walk through them. Like we saw it a little bit in like Bugs Land, you know, like it's not called Bugs Land, rest in peace, like like Avengers Campus and Galaxy's Edge, but for the classic Disney animation. I think that'd be really cool to have a, to have a part. And and we, we see hints of that, but like how cool would it be to be able to walk into Cinderella's ball and like see Cinderella running out the door. You know, like, I think there's more immersive things that I think would be really cool. But other than that, I don't know. Like, it's it's fun to think about that kind of blue sky. What are we missing? Well, as president of Disneyland, yeah, you will make something happen. Right. I think if I were president of Disneyland, I would maintain Walt's vision and make sure that we stay true to that, you know, that phrase, to all who come to this happy place, welcome. Mm-hmm. It's a son to all who come, not just those that can afford it, those that can, you know, be on their phones. Listen, I take advantage of the system if it's there, but I think there'd be something really cool about kind of bringing it back to a, a, a utopia, mm-hmm. not an autopia, a utopia. <laughs> What's a Disney World or Disneyland fact that seriously blew your mind? Well, recently on my podcast, because I have trivia, I, I tried to quiz someone on what's the tallest mountain. And it was like, I forgot which one it actually was. I think it might've been the Matterhorn um, or maybe space, but it was like, and in comparison, the castle of Disneyland is like 77 feet. It's so much shorter. And it just, I get it. The Disney world castle is beautiful and huge. But I think for me, the fact that the Disneyland castle is so short blows my mind. Um it's just yeah. The, the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that's small." It's small, and it's an optical yeah. illusion. I get it that they try and make it seem taller, but I don't think there's much. I mean, the kind of cool stuff is just like what I love learning is like when you look at Google Maps, not really Google Maps. You look at a Disneyland map. It's like, and there's a bunch of trees there, but you're like, no, those are buildings. I love when I learn like. <laughs> 
like when I learned years ago about why there is that stretching room and why there's the portrait hallway at Haunted Mansion, it's like we had to figure out how to get the guests down and under the tracks. Yes. When I learned that kind of stuff, again, that's that, what I said earlier, that care of how do we make it work and not make the audience or the guest aware of what we're doing. That I love. Those facts. I've been doing this long enough that I'm like, I would love for someone to bring me a Disneyland trivia fact that I don't know. Because it's, it's fun to learn. When we uh, disconnect, uh, I can send you a lot of neat okay, stuff. Good. When it comes to like Disney trivia and Walt Disney World trivia, I'm like, go for it. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know much <laughs> there. You can always, you can always stump me with that. But Disneyland trivia specifically, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sharp on. All right. <laughs> Hopefully. Now, if you had to describe Disneyland using only three words, what would they be? Magical, focused. And sweet. Mm. Nice. I don't know. I mean, like you could also say that about a cookie, but like, <laughs> there's, I mean, magical, of course. And then just it's, I think the focus comes in not just where they want you to look with your eyes, but also the design of it. It feels focused, like the the spokes of the hub and, and the fact that each land has an entrance and and the sweetness that comes from your senses being fulfilled, not just in sight, but, you know, smell and definitely hearing the sounds and Mm -hmm. it feels sweet to me. So David, imagine this. You've been hired to direct a Broadway show of your choosing. Do you go with a classic Broadway musical or would you stage a new Disney musical and which role would I play? Which role would you play? (laughs) Nice. I like that you stuck that in there. You know, what's funny is like, I think I would choose a revival of a classic Broadway show. I, I love revivals. I, I love, you know, in directing new work, it can be really challenging because you're like, does it make sense? Does this work? Does the scene make sense? Does the song make work, make sense? In addition to just mounting a production, that's a lot of work. There's something about doing revivals where half of that work is taken care of for you. If I'm going to direct Guys and Dolls, the script and the score work. I don't have to test it. I don't need an out-of-town tryout. So I can just focus on interpreting it, staging it, making sure the story feels relevant, engaging. So to me, there's something really joyful about that. Because like I, I also love, you know, my, my senior thesis was Little Shop. And I spent time just listening to that album so much and, and looking at photos and, and being immersed in it. And then being able to put on a show, it felt like I was just putting on a show with friends. Um, in terms of Disney, you know, it's funny. I like, I love Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I don't know if I'd want to see it on stage, maybe, but for me, I love it in its original format. So I'm not as eager to take on, um, kind of bringing a movie to the stage. I think it'd be fun, uh, especially if I love the movie, but if I were to do anything Disney, I would want to find a new way of Disney storytelling on stage, whether it's a, um, like a show for a cruise ship where I get to create, here's your beloved characters in a new circumstance or um, kind of like what they did with Saving Mr. Banks and like, here's characters you love, but a different lens of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would cast you as whatever you feel like you were right for. <laughs> That's why I said. Well, thank you. You tell me. Thank you, Mr. You President. Like to be considered. Yeah. <laughs> so David, I'd, I'd like to switch gears for a bit. I have a special Disney game that I'd like to play with you, and you might be familiar with it. Do you have time to play a Disney game? I'm always ready to play a Disney game.
it's time for some tough choices. This game is called Tweedledee or Tweedledum. Now, for the listeners, David plays this game with his guests on his e-ticket to Broadway podcast, and this is the only time that I will play this game. I just thought it would be fun to have you as the guest playing your own game. I can't wait. It's funny. I mean, you hear me when I do it. Sometimes I feel very strongly, and sometimes it's like, I don't know what I would choose. Every time I listen to one of your episodes, it takes me 20 minutes to pick one. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can't pick. In case you forgot how to play... <laughs> I'm going to give you two options and just let me know which one you prefer. Great. Space Mountain in Magic Kingdom or Space Mountain in Disneyland Park? I mean, clearly Disneyland Park. And I'm going to, okay, so I went on Space Mountain in Disney World uh, this summer and I was so taken aback by what a carnival ride it felt like. People mm-hmm. love it, but I was like, I actually felt fearful of my life. Like I could kind of <laughs> see the track. I didn't hear music. It was jolty. I didn't like the the ride vehicle. And listen, I'm spoiled. When they reopened Space Mountain in Disneyland, it was the summer I worked there. So as a Tomorrowland cast member, I got to preview it many, many times. But that track is smooth. That soundtrack is perfect. The seating is great. The queue system is great. Strongly feel Disneyland Space Mountain. I am with you 500%. Are you shocked that I answered it that way? Uh, Not at all. I know. Every time, look, I like the ride at Magic Kingdom, but I also feel like I need to book a session with my chiropractor when I'm done. That's right. I mean, we have Matterhorn that's like that, but um, that Space Mountain at Magic Kingdom, I was, I was shook. Yeah. More ways than one. <laughs> okay. So the next one, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in Magic Kingdom, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in Disneyland. I see a pattern here. I mean, <laughs> I have to go with Disneyland again, but I was, I did really enjoy big thunder in disney world i think one of my favorite big thunders is actually in paris because you go underwater right away and it's on its own island but there's something about the disneyland big thunder that just feels maybe it's just because of the frontier land of it all and the views but i felt like and again i went at night this most recent trip so that's my memory of it but it felt like it was kind of pushed away in a corner and i didn't quite feel like i was part of something bigger the ride is smoother in Disneyland. Is it? Mm-hmm. It's it's rougher in Florida, and but that's by design. Yeah, yeah. They wanted the mine car feel, like that rough. Yes, ride. Yeah. There were definitely parts of it that I was like, "Oh, right, this does feel different." But I got to bring it back to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And and I love the queue in Anaheim. Yes, I'm trying to remember because we definitely had a lightning lane for the queue in Disney World this time. It's just outdoors, and the weather is pretty much perfect every day of the year. Yes. Yeah, so that just enhances my experience. I have another one for you. Okay. Cinderella Castle or Sleeping Beauty Castle? I mean, Scott, really, do, do, do you have any inkling of how I might answer this? I, I do. Yes. I, I do. mean, it's got to be the OG. It's got to be my 77-foot-tall kind of squat, <laughs> you know, forced perspective castle because it's actually made of stone. I feel like the one in Florida mm. might have some fiberglass to it. Um, yeah, just a little. It's just, it, and again, like it's it's a it's an image that will always make me feel at home, whether it's in okay. person or just literally seeing a photograph of it. The Disneyland Sleeping Beauty Castle is is my it's my thing. It's my jam. Okay. Radiator Springs Racers or the Incredicoaster? Ooh, good one. That's good. See, that one's tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Incredicoaster on this. Radiator Spring Racers is such a fun ride. I love it. It 
you know, part dark ride, part roller coaster. Um, always fun. I feel like my experience on Radiator Spring Racers is always the same, which is great, but it's always the same. Mm-hmm. And coaster can be different depending on where I am, depending on who I'm with, depending on the time of day. And I was not a roller coaster kid. I remember when it was California Screaming, I was like, I'll try it, but it goes upside down. And now I love it. It smells mm-hmm. like cookies. I get a cookie mm-hmm. afterwards. I love the Incredicoaster. What about you? Okay. Do you have a preference of one of those? Uh, see, that's another thing where it's going to take me 20 minutes to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think it depends on it, it, in the moment. You know, in this moment, I'm feeling Incredicoaster. Oh, but wait, in this moment, I'm feeling Radiator Springs so Racer. Right now, if I was like, close your eyes and you're going to open it and you're going to be about to ride, like you're about to step into a ride vehicle, would that ride vehicle be Racers or Incredicoaster? Probably Incredicoaster. Just because it shoots you off at what, a million miles an hour? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It, it's just both are exciting. But for that reason, Incredicoaster, yeah. I think, would take yeah. it. That's a great, it's a great overlay. Really love it. Yeah. Next. Oh. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror or Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout? Definitely the former. I okay. loved the theming of the original. It's a ride I can't do anymore. I've okay. gone on Mission Breakout maybe twice. It's fun. But to me, it just was so the theming of that original and what's still in, in Orlando is just so great. It's fantastic. It's really beautifully done. This the way the Twilight Zone enters it. It's it's really great. And and again, like for those that hadn't experienced that, I'm sure it's just Marvel. It's great and it makes sense. But the architecture of the building still is like that's that's an old Hollywood hotel. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. You know, I wish everyone that goes on that ride all the best. I stand in the gift shop waiting. I can't do it, but definitely the original. That's why I kind of laughed when I mentioned the two, because I know that you don't really enjoy the drop. No, I used to. But then, as I say, it's like there was one time where I was screaming and I was like, this is not a happy scream. I'm actually screaming. (laughs) It's a terrified scream. Yes. All right. Mickey ice cream sandwich or Dole Whip? Mickey ice cream sandwich, a thousand percent. I think we're going to go Mickey ice cream sandwich or Jack Jack cookie num num because that's been my new dilemma. I'm uh, not that's the next one. Oh, oops. I'm not a No, it's fan. fine. I, I'm not. I've tried it. Just doesn't. I love pineapple. I love ice cream. I love yogurt, but it didn't do it for me. Now, is it just the pineapple flavor? Have you tried the other flavors? I haven't. I'm, but I'm a, I'm kind of, I like the OG always. Okay. It's like, all right. If I don't like the original, maybe there was, I know this past summer, at Walt Disney World, they were doing the dwarfs as Dole Whips. Was it Dole Whips? Yes. And of course, the the month or the week that Dopey was there, many people sent me photos. And I was like, that's something I would have tried. I would have had to. But What was the flavor? I don't remember. But, um, okay. but definitely this one. I love that Mickey Mouse ice cream sandwich. And it's I a great sandwich. In Florida, they serve it to you and it's not... Um, it won't break your teeth in Florida. I don't think they use as much dry ice or something, but in California, they're bricks when they hand it to you. That was something very delightful in Florida. Yeah, you can just take a bite and yeah. It comes to be the, the humidity dentist. that when they hand it to you, it's so humid, it just immediately starts <laughs> melting it. But I would, That's right. Because I was like, oh, I've got to wait. And I was like, oh, I can eat this right now. 
Because uh, there was one night I did the after hours in Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And part of that ticket was, you know, all the popcorn and the sodas and the water and the ice cream. And and so we got the mis- the Mickey ice cream sandwich. And I took a bite and I, I swear I, I must have shattered four teeth. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so I know it's hard. It's really frozen. Oh, well. All right, so you mentioned Jack Jack Cookie Num Num, so Mickey Pretzel or Jack Jack Cookie Num Num. See, those are great options, but definitely the cookie. That cookie, the is, cookie so is the good. best thing in the world. It's really good. You get some almond milk with it, you know, and then the problem is, I'm the of my friend groups. I'm always the one that just wants. They don't want a cookie then. They're like, because usually we do it kind of early in the day, and they always want to go to the next attraction, which I support. But I'm always the one like trying to take my spork and like. <laughs> that's difficult to eat on the run. It's also difficult it to eat seated, but, but you will, you know, someone will see me once at DCA walking, trying to eat a huge cookie. I'm very happy, but it, it's difficult, but, but I go with the cookie num num. Okay. Now, you know, you can get one at Hollywood studios. Yes, I did see that. It's like at a, not at a cart. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of near, um, the old, uh, uh, Pixar street and right across from the movie uh, Walt's dream. Okay. Yeah. We love it. They're so good. Mm-hmm. All right. Cars land or Pixar pier cars land. I don't think we've quite fixed Pixar pier the way it could be. You know, I was one of the few that went to DCA in its opening year and um, there were some bold choices and where Cars Land got to be created from scratch, Pixar Pier is still trying to undo the original design and you can sense that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of like, okay, but then why is Monsters, Inc. not part of Pixar Pier? And like, you know, I get a little confused, but Cars Land is just, you know, it, it got to be designed as Cars Land. And I think it's just so well done, the forced perspective. It always blows my mind that kind of the end of that um, highway... Um, do they just call it Highway 66? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah. Like not the main yeah, route. Route 66. Route, there we go. What's interesting with Cars Land is when you looked on Route 66 and you see like the fountain in the background, the fact that the entrance to Radiator Spring Racers is then like around a corner has always shocked me. It's like, it's just like tucked away. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the way that that land comes to life at night is so beautiful. So Cars Land. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Cars Land is really special. You are in the movie. Mm. All right. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway or The Great Movie Ride? Runaway Railway. And I'm surprised I'm saying that. I think it's because it's so... um, I will always choose Mickey and Minnie over Hollywood, even though, of course, Mm -hmm. they're they're intertwined. But, you know, The Great Movie, Movie Ride sometimes was dependent upon what cast member you had, who was in your group. And I didn't... I didn't get to Great Movie Ride until I was, you know, already living in New York. So I didn't have that childhood nostalgia, you know, stamp on it. But Runaway Railway is so much fun. I wish they would slow it down. It's so visually stimulating and thrilling. But sometimes I'm like, I want to stay in this room a little bit longer. Um, Mm -hmm. But especially, and I think it's going to be different. I guess Disneyland is getting ready to open theirs in 2023. But the way in which at Walt Disney World that they took the theater and really said, this is still going to remain the theater and the way in which you get to enter the ride, I don't want to ruin it if someone hasn't been on it, 
is one of the coolest theatrical moments in the parks that I can remember. Um, mm-hmm. But I just have a blast on that ride. It's so fun and it's so, you know, irreverent and joyful. So definitely the real way. Okay. The last one, the last Tweedledee or Tweedledum. Dopey or Mickey Mouse? Okay, this is cruel. You're not the first <laughs> to ask me that. I'm going to go with Dopey um, only because he's my favorite, but it's truly mm-hmm. like, um, anytime someone has asked me that, it's mean. Because like, <laughs> you know, it all started with the mouse, of course. Like Mickey is just the OG. We love Mickey. He's everything. But I think more people will choose Mickey. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for my guy Dopey because Mickey makes me feel always seen and loved. And Dopey always just makes me laugh and like a kid. So I'm, I'm going to go with Dopey on this one. Okay. And I, I think on Tracy's trip, we yeah. took a picture with Dopey and sent it to you. I think it was um, uh, a topiary. Yes. And what's yeah. cool, like, you know, I I hope that on my time left on earth, which I have much more time, I make an impact through Gilana's Fund and, and the shows I direct and the students I teach and the stories I tell. But my greatest legacy could be, oh, he's the guy that likes Dopey. Because- <laughs> It's so sweet in the parks. A lot of DMs anytime someone sees Dopey. And I know I'm not the only Dopey fan out there, but I might be one of the most well-known Dopey fans. And that's a great honor and legacy. Well, Mr. President, you have a great legacy. (laughs) Well, David, thank you for playing your own game with me. I appreciate it. Thanks for playing. It's fun. In honor of the Disney Fab Five, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, and Pluto, I'd like to end with these Fab Five questions, followed by a special bonus question. The first question, who is your favorite character from the movies? Can I say Dopey? Of course. Okay, Dopey. It's Dopey. Okay. Is Dopey your favorite character to meet in the parks? That's the second question. No, I think it's still Mickey. I, I okay. love, and what I always love is that we say we're meeting them, you know? It's not that we're mm-hmm. saying hi to them, it's that we're meeting them each time, which I always love that terminology. But there's, you know, I'm looking at this as I record this, a picture of Mickey saying hi to my sisters. I'm going to show it to Scott. But, you know, like, you oh. know, Mickey saying hi to my sisters, and then there's me in a stroller, and my parents are there, and he's meant to just represent unconditional love. And every time I see Mickey, I always say, do you remember me? And he always does. He nods his head. And is there something really special about that? We're, you know, Dopey in the parks, you know, Dopey's not the brightest star in the sky. <laughs> and, um, there's something about meeting Mickey that just feels right. Mm. If you could ask any character a question, who would you ask and what would you ask? My gosh, that's a great question. Um, I would probably ask Mickey if he was living his authentic life and still wanted to be engaged to Minnie Mouse because they've been engaged for quite some time and they still live separately. I just want to make sure Mickey can live his authentic life and doesn't Mm. feel like he's pressured by society. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with that. Well, (laughs) I've definitely asked Minnie that in the parks and she giggled. (laughs) Like Minnie, is it time to, to look for someone else? I don't know. If you ever get the answer, let me know. I will. I will. I probably would never want that answer because it would destroy the fabric (laughs) of Disneyland. But um, 
If not that, I would ask, and I did ask Jody Benson this. I said, Ariel, when when Eric just had to learn your name and kiss you and you couldn't talk, why don't you just write it in the sand? We saw you just sign your name on the scroll. Ask for a piece of paper and say, hey, dude, I need you to kiss me. My name is Ariel. Mm. Why didn't you do that? That's a fantastic question. This is why I'm terrible to see Disney movies with, but yes. <laughs> All right. If you could spend a day with Walt Disney, what would you do? I would go to Disneyland with him and I would ask to just pick his brain. And I think if I got, if, I mean, on this magical journey, I wouldn't want to go when the park was open. I'd want to go like halfway through the design process and kind of get in his head and see what he was doing. Um, but definitely just be able to walk through the park with him and and either that or go with him today and say like, what do you think? How's it going? Mm-hmm. Do you agree with this? What do you like? It's like when a show opens and the director leaves for some times and the director comes back and gives notes, let him come back and be like, okay, cool. Thanks for the petrified tree. That's still there. You can let that go if you want. But like, (laughs) I don't like that there's a princess fantasy fair on this side of the castle. You should put it behind the castle. Mm. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) All right. If you could have one special quality of any Disney character, what would it be? I would want to fly like Peter Pan and have the ability to borrow Tinkerbell's magic and let other people fly. Mm. I always wanted to fly as a kid. I, I've told this story on the podcast before. Uh, you know, I, when I was much younger, I had just watched Superman. And then I was up on like a, a high stool, like a bar height stool in the house. And I was thinking, well, if he can fly, so can I. And I have a scar on my chin to prove oh, no. that I cannot fly. Well, you couldn't fly at that moment. You should try again. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. You're so you're so good to me. Yeah, right. Or but try again this time with a lot of pillows on the ground. Yeah, that's true. That's and, and of course, my luck. Like my chin, hit, uh, there was a big recliner, and just the corners of the arms were wood, and that's where I hit. Oh, no. Yeah, fun times. Oh, well. All right. So, David, at the end of your interviews, you ask each guest the same question. So to end our time together, I thought it would be most appropriate for me to ask you this question. What's the first thing you're going to do the next time you go to a Disney park? Well, it has to be Disneyland again. And I think the next thing I want to do is, I mean, the first thing I want to do is kind of just relive my traditions, which is turn the corner on Main Street and call my mom if she's not with me. Go have some breakfast on Main Street. Get ready for my first attraction of the day. You know, check out the crystal shop on Main Street. See if there's any new dopey merch that came in. See Mickey. And then the rest of the day can be whatever whatever it needs to be. But the first thing I want to do is just check those boxes of what I know makes my Disneyland trip special. Nice. David, thank you for spending some time with me chatting about your time working at Disneyland Park and your love of Disney and the parks. It, it was great to hear your perspective, and I'm just so happy to see you again. Of course, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thanks for asking such great questions. And again, for sharing this love of of not just the Disney parks, but the magic of theater. And again, thanks for thinking of me to have me on your podcast. My pleasure. And for the one last time, tell my guests how they can find you and how they can support you. Sure. I appreciate that. Um, my Instagram is at directed by David Elpert, and then you can follow the podcast www.eticketpodcast.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at eTicket to Broadway. Awesome. 
David, thank you. And to end with what you say, we'll see you at the parks. And that'll do it for this episode of The Mouse and Me. If you liked what you've heard, please subscribe to the show, rate it, leave a review, and tell all of your friends. And if you didn't like it, well, tell your enemies. Be sure to follow me on the socials by searching The Mouse and Me. You can also email me at themouseandmepodcast at gmail.com and visit patreon.com slash themouseandme to support the show. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have the best day ever and see you real soon. Mm-hmm.